That's right, chumps. We're lucky to have Navy SEAL Bobby Holland on the podcast today. Bobby retired from the SEAL teams and started an awesome golf company called Hooli Golf. And we got into a little bit of his career, but mostly talked about his passion for golf and a lot about what he's doing with a new company, some of its products, clothing line, and where he wants to head in terms of giving back to the veteran community. So enjoy episode 16 of Two Club Jumps with Bobby Holland. Hey man, those guys are chumps. Hey, yep, uh, John Adams is out trying to play golf today like a complete clown. And so I'm like, well, this is okay because I can handle the SEAL interview. I feel like I'm flashing back to my old Bravo 16 days. I think I told you I had the Veterans Podcast for like a year with Greg Sisa. And uh, it was so awesome, so fulfilling. It just was, you know, we had Brooke Keating on. We had Scott Harris, you know, and uh, all these great guys, you know, some Green Berets in between. But Greg decided to get a real job. So I was like, man, you're killing me right now. But that was a lot of fun. It, it was a, a kind of a passion project talking about the transition process to kind of yep. get people, you know, this one master sergeant Green Beret really kind of opened up and talked about how hard it was. And then having Brooke on, obviously, it was very emotional because she's just amazing. Although I think she's back in San Diego now. I think she's doing she's like the head of the Gold Star families, right? I'm not sure. Yeah. I don't know. Yeah, I think she took over. There's a job with NSW or maybe Navy SEAL Foundation. Can't remember which. I think it's NSW that where she's in, she's the you know contact for all Gold Star families. So anyway, great to have you on. It's uh, amazing. I when I listen to your podcast. By the way, everybody go listen to Jocko, the latest Jocko podcast with you on it because it's an incredible story. And um, but I stopped at golf. When I got to the golf course, I'm like, all right, I'm going to stop there. So I encourage you. Oh, really? Yeah, because well, I wanted just to kind of have a fresh take on it with you just to hear about. I didn't want to have you know any preconceived notions or anything. But uh, um, yeah, really excited to talk to you and, uh, um, you know, kind of get into a little bit about your transition too, from because you were in for how long? 20 plus years? Yeah, uh, 21 and, yep. and some change. Yep. 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 And and I remember in the podcast you were saying with Jocko that that was not always your plan. You were dragging, re-signing and re-upping every time, right? Yeah, man. It was, uh, I, I never saw myself as a careerist. Yep. And, uh, and then one day you look yourself in the mirror and it's like, <laughs> all right, I, I think I'm, you know, right. Um, yeah, man. Ha- happy to talk about all that. And, uh, and yeah, man, thanks for having me on. Uh, you got a great, great show here. And and when you reached out and said uh, you want to talk golf, yes, I was like, man, I, I'm in. I, I, there's nothing else I want to talk about more. It doesn't take any mental preparation for me. You know, yep. This is all the stuff that I've been dying to tell people that no one in my circle cares <laughs> to hear. You know, 
Well, it's funny because when I got introduced to your community, I guess 20 years ago, it was at, uh, we had a, a big seal golf event at our club in LA and I started meeting some of the guys and, and became best friends with one of them. And he's the first thing I was shocked about was that, you know, back then there's no road to transition to the civilian world. No C4, no With Your Shield, no Honor Foundation that really was yeah. functioning like it is now. I mean, in the old days, yep. we, we all know the problems they had in the old days. And uh, um, and he said, you know, we really have a lot of guys that don't have any direction. And he said, we also have a bunch of golf nuts. So he introduced me to like Mangini and Mike Lohorn and all these guys yeah. who love playing golf. And so I started going down to C and A a lot. And that was like our connection was I'd have them up to my club. We'd go to C and Air and we kind of got to know the community. And it's it's bigger than you think. I mean, it I'm sure you know already, but like there's a lot of golf guys hidden out there. I just think that, you know. Like listening to you and Jocko, I think the culture of, you know, well, you got to do jujitsu, martial arts, you better go shooting every day. And it's like, well, a lot of them love to golf. So, you know, I think that's that that may be a barrier to entry, but it sounds like you're starting to connect with a lot of the guys out there that love golf, too. Yeah, that's it, man. I, you know, anytime you start something, you kind of start with you know, your, uh, your customer in mind and, yeah. and I, I'm Huli's first customer, you know, like this was built, <laughs> right. this was built, you know, around my love for golf and, and my buddy's love for golf and, uh, just kind of metastasized from there. But yeah, man. Well, let's talk about how you got into the golf world. So real quick, you were, uh, you started enlisted, then you worked all your way up to chief with the people don't know that's, you know, almost the pinnacle of enlisted, obviously, you know, master chief and senior chief and all that too. Yeah, but, yeah. um, and how long did that take to get to chief? It took me, uh, just around 12 years. Okay. Gotcha. So that was a little um, on the quick side, by the way. So you obviously were excelling as the lead Bob that you are. You know, what's interesting is uh, compared to like the 90s era Frogman, yeah, that was pretty quick. But in that era, I was probably later in my peer group to make okay. Chief. Okay. Um, but it was, I wasn't in a rush to get in into that position, you know, because once you're done yeah, uh, being a platoon chief, then you're moving essentially from the operational side into the kind of management side for the latter part of your career. So I wasn't in a rush to get there and uh, being a platoon chief, I mean, was like the greatest privilege and honor of my career, man. It, it, it for me was the pinnacle. And now I, I don't want to take anything away from the senior enlisted who do great things beyond that part. But for me, that was all I wanted to do, you know, being a team guy, being an operator in a platoon, um and then being able to lead a platoon yeah man that was that was like my you know my dream really i've, I've heard the story 50 times i mean even talking to genie who's now with virginia high performance he stood up their yeah. new location down in uh, san diego which is amazing he's running that now but he even said and a lot of it for him was injury too he was platoon chief you know and mm -hmm. then senior chief and then heard in another certain he's like i'm going into ops i'm now you know it's at the point where yeah. I want to get out there, but I understand this is this is my new role. So, yeah, I've heard that from a lot of guys that the pinnacle is to be in the, the the top enlisted guy running your own crew, and uh, that that's amazing. And you were not golfing at this point; you hadn't been hooked yet. I I had gotten hooked. Oh, you did hooked. get hooked. Okay, got gotcha. you. Yeah, I got hooked. I was eleven. I, I, actually, it was just probably six months prior to me joining that platoon. Okay. 
Um, so I'll, I'll, I'll take you like where the, the genesis of yes, please do. Yeah. Yeah. And, um, you know, I've, I've listened to some of your other guests and it's, it's interesting how similar like all of our stories are in terms of how we found golf. And in my story is one that, uh, I, I really didn't care much about golf growing up. I, I golfed like a handful of times, small handful of times. Um, in fact, one of the, uh, early golf experiences I had, I'll just name drop someone real quick, but, uh, as a young teenager, um, my stepbrother was buddies with Kevin Chapel. Oh, of course. And, yeah, UCLA. Yeah, and, yeah. That's that's like one of the only rounds I remember from my childhood was playing with him. And he was like five years younger and just blasting it by us. Yep. And I was like, yeah, maybe this isn't for me. <laughs> uh, so fast forward, you know, many years, a couple decades later, and uh, we had done our workup. This is back in 2011. Okay. And uh, we were supposed to deploy to Afghanistan that deployment got delayed and it got delayed. They were dragging us along. It started out like, um, you know, with a, like a week delay and a week turned into two and then two turned into a month, ended up being several months. Um, and so our bags were packed, we were ready to roll and we were like checking in daily. And then pretty soon my OIC had the great idea. Uh, Hey, let's take the boys golfing. Like, you know, we need a little morale oh, boost. Wow. Okay. Okay. Yeah, so we went to see an error, and uh, I got hooked in that round. That's all it took. It 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 just took one damn shot. Right, that's what and they say. For for a lot of folks like myself who uh, didn't grow up around the sport, you know, I I did contact sports. I did very physical, pretty sports growing up, and and that appeal wasn't obvious to me. It became obvious very quickly. Um, there is this great challenge and struggle in golf and it is like the quintessential team guy sport that yeah. hardly anyone knows about. Yeah. And it, it just, it just took that one round. I was immediately hooked. I went that night to a golf shop. I got some used clubs. <laughs> That's um, how it works. Were, That's it. <laughs> and, and, and they were like, you know, I didn't know anything. I got, uh, some Callaways, but they were, you know, like a, uh, a player's club. Of so course. Like, like really small and yeah. shitty and like just not good for a beginner to get. Um, yeah. but I took those, uh, took them on deployment with me, was hidden into a net on deployment. We ended up deploying to Iraq, short deployment there. And then, um, that next pump, we ended up, uh, so my platoon chief pump, we ended up deploying to Southwest Asia, that area. I just traveled around, um, yeah, I won't go get into the countries, kind of the trail that we we laid there, but uh, I took my clubs and I played in all these different countries. That is awesome. You know, <laughs> I played with uh with, with kangaroos, right? And, yep. and monkeys and uh monitor lizards. Uh it was a blast, you know, and, and I really fell in love with golf on that deployment. And uh are you are you are you taking lessons or are you just winging it straight up? No, no. Um, it took me several years to connect the dots that maybe okay. I should take maybe I should take a team guy <laughs> approach to learning this sport. Right. right. You no, know, I, I was I was just uh playing machine gun golf out there and yeah. um I was going to the range every now and then, but you know, everything I was using was from golf digest and stuff on YouTube and just kind of uh aimlessly whacking around. Right. right. Yeah. I mean, that's the way but, that, I mean, everyone, everyone I talk to goes through that road and sometimes it's so long because they, they don't realize, Hey, any 
technical sport, jujitsu, whatever it is, you have to learn the basics and it's going to save you a decade of your life. Like I teach a lot of people just on the side yeah. for fun. And it's just like, Hey, let's start with this grip, you know, posture yep. alignment. And then I always tell people hit it like a tennis racket, like, a, like, like you're playing ping pong, just back and through but And that, and that'll get you started. But boy, I've seen people that Scott Kahn was on the podcast, my good friend. And he asked me during the strike, even a little before that, will you teach me? And I said, yeah, he was a 16 handicap and he, he wanted to play every day and he was on strike. So they were on strike all this year. And so he just literally took it spot by spot. And we always joke because he had like the three stages of learning. The first stage was that's impossible i'll never be able to do that that's not going to work and the second stage was oh i hate this but all right i'm going to try it and the third stage was why didn't you teach me that like two months ago i'm like man it's just you got to break it down into stages and he's he got down to a six and a half unfortunately he's gone for another eight months to shoot a series but yeah i feel like if people would just immediately jump in get a five pack of lessons from their local instructor you're going to save a decade as you know you already know this now right yeah I I wasted years and those, those are, those are years I can't get back to the right. years of my, right. where I, I just, I, I could have been bombing it and doing all this great stuff. Yeah. But part of the appeal to the challenge was I want to figure this out on my own. Yeah, sure. You know, um, that is a journey that I really don't recommend taking. It's, you know, it, it's very frustrating, especially those first five years that I golfed, I was very busy. I was deploying, I was yeah. still working a lot. So I was, I was fitting it in, you know, I mean, just barely fitting it in, uh, aimlessly. And then, um, you know, you, you mentioned someone else, uh, you know, kind of getting broken at the end of your career by, by the end of my platoon chief spot, uh, I'd had a bunch of injuries and was feeling pretty broken. So I ended up, uh, taking a commission, becoming a warrant officer and I went to a team and even though that SEAL team deployed, during that workup, I was home a lot, working, you know, essentially at nine to five. Um, and so I started practicing, oh, like legitimately okay. getting into deliberate practice and working on some things. And my handicap, like, just dropped, like, big time in yeah. a short period. Um, By the way, let me interrupt you. Can you explain uh, the chief to warrant officer thing? Because I know I know they have that like in the 160th and a lot of SOAR pilots have that. But I don't in what what is a warrant officer in the Navy exactly? Because I know Andy did that, too. Right. He he was the same kind of thing. Stomp. Remember, he, he was talking about he went warrant a long time he, ago. Too. He went LDO. It's uh, a it's it's a similar program for. Okay. Enlisted folks who put in, you know, a considerable amount of time, they apply, they apply for a commission. Um, yeah, the, the warrant program is, it's a little bit unique in that, you know, they're pulling guys from the enlisted ranks to, you know, kind of manage training and readiness. Okay, gotcha. The, the warrant officers are used differently in different communities, like the warrant officers in, uh, you know, in, in the Army and the, uh, you know, SOAR fly helicopters yeah exactly I, yeah yeah i wasn't flying any helicopters um but i was re responsible for making sure that the seal teams had the training the qualifications um some of the readiness stuff and then you know there's some guys with with some very particular niches um 
but yeah, that's that's kind of the vein of what. Uh, oh, interesting. Okay, it's just a different track because you know, like my my wife is a Navy officer with the Naval Academy, and so you yep. know, it's like you know, lieutenant, you know, lieutenant commander, and all that. And I'm sure they have a different arc they have to go on to keep going you know and it sounds like warrant officer is still you know a, a little more man of the people like down and dirty doing the training right because if you're if you're a commander in in you know trade ed or something you're probably not in the muck like training the guys like you would be is that the kind of a fair description I have to be careful for anyone who's listening to this to uh, hear, <laughs> okay, right, 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 to hear about the warrant officer being in the muck no right I, I right say right I was, uh, you know, shining a seat with my ass uh, most of the time. Okay, gotcha, gotcha. Doing, doing a lot of planning, a lot of the behind-the-scenes stuff. And um, I, I was running some training events, like some big, big-scale training events. Okay, gotcha, um, gotcha. So, yeah, I, I would get out to the field every now and then. Um, okay. I was just curious. I Not, just wanted to jump in on the side because I'd, I'd heard a lot of guys do this and this was an interesting program. I just didn't know a lot about it. So, okay, go back. So you're, you're practicing a lot, your handicaps down, you're a warrant officer. And then uh, what, how long you been in at this point? Uh, I commissioned at the 15 year mark. Okay. Gotcha. Okay. Yep. And then, um, man, it was, I had my best round in 2017. Okay. What'd you um, shoot? I shot a two over at, CNR, but right. but there, there's more to the story. All right, let's so hear it. The um, you know, like I said, I I had a series of injuries and surgeries kind of leading up to this, and the week before I had a, a meniscus surgery, so oh, it debris no. debridement. It was a scope. Okay, um, but a week to the day, and uh, I, I drug my ass out of bed and I, I went and golfed okay. early in the morning. So I teed off. I think it was like 5.45 in the morning. Um, but even backing up that night before, I used to have, I don't know if this is a thing, but I used to have golfer's anxiety the night before. <laughs> it's very common, especially in tournament play, which I used to play competitively. But yeah. uh, I, I guess if you're playing a big round or something, yeah, I, I, it does happen. But definitely in tournament play, you can't sleep the night before ever. Yeah, so... For a while. I mean, that was like every time I golfed because I, I, I wanted it so bad. Yeah. Uh, but the night before I, I purchased an audio book by Bob Rotella. Of course. And I'm trying to remember which one off the top of my head. I think it was his first one, the big one. Okay. I, so I listened to the audio book and I fell asleep to the audio book. Oh, you had the mantra in your head. You had, the, you had the yeah. good, good vibes in there. I like that. I did. I, I showed up and um, mind you at this point, I don't know because my handicap, I have like a handicap app. It, it stops after 250 rounds, which is. <laughs> oh dear. Okay. I played this many rounds. So it doesn't go back that far, but I think I was like a 15. Okay. Handicap. Wow. And I, uh, I went birdie, 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 par, birdie. I was four under through five. What? Holes. As a fifteen, that is only a seal could do that. I'm sorry, that's impossible. <laughs> wow. And 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 then when I got to the uh, sixth hole, it all hit me. Okay. You know, because I I was like in this uh, flow state. I yes. was in this. You know, there was like no thinking. And I was, I sunk, I mean, on the what, fifth hole, I sunk like a 40 footer. Like it, oh when my. it's your day, it's your day, right? Are you playing by yourself or are you with a group? 
Yeah, now it's playing with myself. Okay, gotcha, gotcha. So, so, so there's no witnesses. You're just no, come on. If we're going to trust anyone in the world, it's you, buddy. All right, so uh, yeah. keep going, keep going. So it hit me, and then the pressure started like ramping up, and of course. I went, you know, bogey, par, bogey. I, I ended up at the turn uh, one under, which was okay. still still incredible. Yep, still incredible, and then. I kind of flattened out on the back and I ended up uh, shooting three more bogeys finishing. Um, but yeah, man, I, for, uh, I, in preparation for this podcast, I brought, I have all these uh, golf balls whenever okay. you love it. My, 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 my best rounds. Oh, um, I love that. But uh, yeah, I'll, I'll talk about, I, I tied, I tied that score a couple months ago. So that's still my best score two over. Really? Um, well, and yeah, I think the flat. mental game is probably, I mean, when I'm teaching people, I said, look, we have to get you down to the basics. We have to fit you right. And we have to get your, your swing, right. But I would say over half. And as you get better, it becomes 90% is the mental game because you have the little monsters in your head. Like everyone's watching. Oh my God, what'd you do? You just chunked that chip. You just did that. I mean, it really, yeah. it's the most cerebral thing. My brother played the NFL for nine years. And so he was kind of a meat eater like you are. And he said, golf is the most frustrating, hardest game I've ever played. Harder than the NFL because it's so, it's you. It's between your ears and you can't muscle it. It's the opposite. You you have to not yeah. muscle it if you want to get the distance. So that's fascinating here you say that. And, uh, um, but 72 as a 15 or, or two over, whatever the par is at CNR, I can't remember. Yeah, that's, it's 71. Yeah, that's incredible. And especially early in your golf career. So you knew it was in there. You're like, I can do this. And once you do that, you're hooked. Once you set a record like that, I, I could tell yeah. I bet you were hooked for sure. I was hooked and and that only like ramped me up, you know. So I, <laughs> right. I, I ended up really well through um the rest of the year in 18 and started playing in the 70s more. You know, my handicap dropped down to a single digit, Good. Uh, high high single digit. Yep. And then I I just kind of struggled in there, uh got real busy. You know, transitioning um, from the military, went to grad school, all these other things, these big distractions. Yeah. But the, the passion's still there, you know. Um, well, let's talk about your transition real quick. So yeah. you, I heard the part of the podcast with Jocko that you went to UCLA uh, grad school, which is about 100 yards from where I'm sitting right now. I, I live on the west side in, in L.A. Although I went to yeah. USC, I won't hold it against you, but I'd get to USC. And uh, were you golfing at all when you were coming up here? There's some great golf up here. I only golfed, I think I only golfed up in L.A. County like twice. Okay, gotcha. Uh, I, okay. I, I take that back. I mean, there's been a couple of other tournaments. Uh, I think I played Hacienda a couple times. Oh, I love Hacienda. That track is incredible. Very yeah. tough, though. Very tough. Some years ago, I played Lakeside. I feel like uh, th there was a tournament up there. We have a lot of, of, of team stuff. We had... Um, uh the special operator warriors foundation for a while yes. so we yeah. had that like five six years i think that's where i met the first one of you guys 15 years ago when i was there and um yeah we we used to have a lot yeah. of rhythm we've had some we had some c4 foundation events when i was on the board of c4 years ago so it's very patriotic so you might have played there yeah i mean uh that'd be hilarious if we somehow passed in the wind there but you're coming up by the way to place a lot more at lakeside so get ready but um so you're getting your mba are you playing a lot of golf down in san diego or just studying and working a lot getting ready for transition 
I'm always playing as much golf as I can. Okay, got you, got you. Right. You know, so uh, I was in my first year of the program. I was still active duty, um, but that was also when COVID came around. So I, I started okay. the program in September of uh, of twenty, um, and then I separated or sorry, retired in July of twenty one. Okay. Um, so as I was getting closer to retire i had some time i was taking leave and and playing more um but yeah it, it was just challenging there there was quite the workload at ucla and I, I wanted to do really well and for no other reason just to prove to myself that that i could do it and yeah. keep up with academics and all that and i ended up uh leading some teams so like the genesis of huli uh was an idea that i had before i classed up at ucla and I really had no designs to be an entrepreneur. Okay. Um, you know, in fact, I was going to UCLA just to figure stuff out, uh, you know, backing up a little bit. I, I went through, you, you talk about, um, pardon me, you talk about a decade plus or so ago, they didn't have great transition programs. Yeah, uh, none. So much better now. And they're really, really helpful. I went through the Honor Foundation and uh it was really really helpful in me walking away with a set of priorities in terms of like how i wanted to design my life yeah and to, and to kind of break down the barrier in, in terms of you know this is me i've been a seal for the last two decades i could only do seal stuff this is what you know people i know get out and they do this kind of linear path it helped kind of break me away from that too be open to exploring some different paths and, and really trying to find alignment with those priorities that I set forth in terms of, um, you know, uh, being, being close to home, being around the family, um, you know, money's nice. It's not a priority. Uh, culture is really important to me. Who I surround myself is really important to me. So kind of nailing down what those are. Um, I didn't know, where that was going to lead me, but I, I was open-minded. So I went to UCLA, um, trying to figure stuff out. And they you got have, your MBA UCLA. Is that what it was? I was in the executive MBA program. Oh, it's amazing. Yeah, that's, that's great for business. Yeah. Two -year program. Yeah. It, it's good. You know, I mean, I got a, uh, a taste of, of business coming from the military. We got to touch on a lot of different industries and disciplines and, uh, you know, kind of get get my hands dirty in, in that stuff um but yeah so we there was a, an opportunity there was an entrepreneurship class that's what I it, was kind of, it, it was kind of like an exploratory class to where bring an idea to the table build a team you, you either had to build a team or join a team pitch an idea build a team and then you do some exploratory research and if you kind of graduate through that class then you have the ability to move on to another class that builds on that previous one. You build a business plan and it keeps, it keeps like pushing you down the, the road and uh, Huli became Huli in that it was just an idea. I ended up as I was trying to recruit my team, we were very early in the program. I didn't know anyone very closely. And so I'm going through this, bio book pdf and i'm just looking for keyword golf <laughs> right, you know? right. yeah of course yeah i don't know anything and yeah. uh i the first person i 
I ran across uh, was Kevin Lee. Okay. And Kevin Lee, he's he's a co-founder of Huli. Um, you know, he's been in kind of uh, apparel and garment sourcing and manufacturing for the last two decades. And uh, reached out to him and he was an immediate yes. Oh, wow. And then we both we we built the team from there. And then by the end of the program, basically there was another year and a half um, happening. And, and, and by the way, just to back up a little bit, you're asking if I'm golfing regularly during this. This was like the worst my golf had ever been. Yeah. So a, as I'm trying to build this company, of course, and this, like, of course. This idea that's golf centric, I'm playing the shittiest golf. <laughs> Ever. it's funny my old boss i was a golf agent for eight years and my boss when he hired me said um we're gonna do some football which is our bread and butter but we're gonna start a golf division and you're never gonna play golf again you yeah. think you're a golf agent? no never again because you're so busy building a business so anyway i totally get that and plus with covid like nothing a lot of the courses were closed i'm sure you couldn't get out like you used to so i mean i remember down at uh um you know, NSW and CNR was all very sketchy and then they weren't letting people in and you couldn't have any visitors. So I'm sure it was hard to play golf back then any, anyway. You know, what's, uh, what's unfortunate because CNR was, that was my home course. And yeah. then, yeah, shit got really weird with them around COVID and they, they weren't letting singles out. And that's, I, I spent a lot of my time, probably 50% or more is me walking on as a single before before the sun is up and yeah. um there's a handful of courses which will let you get out the door when it's dark yeah so i i would actually back in 2017 uh i started golfing early in the morning with a spotlight oh. so i had this high-powered spotlight <laughs> and i would go and tee off and it would be dark until like the second hole and then the sun would be peeking up that sounds very uh, seal like you creeping around with, with a ghillie suit on and your spotlight i like yeah. that's my visual i like that yeah yeah it's uh in instinctually you have to learn where you're hitting on the club face yes because that that first hole there's no way you're going to see a ball so it's like you start to get a feel for okay that felt spinny that's going to be right over here and uh it's funny you know, get, yeah. As you play longer, I've been playing 45 years since I was like five years old and I I'll hit a shot and be like, I don't even have to look where that is. Like you do develop an instinct for in your body. I pulled it, I wiped it across. It's fading. Yeah. I, I stayed yeah. back. I hooked it. So, uh, well, wait, go back to the Hooli golf thing. So when you came up with that name, was it for hooligan where you were like creating like kind of a bad boy kind of golf thing? Or what was the thought that you and uh, your co-founder had with the name? The name, the word Huli has been there from, from the very, very early inception. Okay. The, this, the, the best way that, I mean, I, I kind of had like a dream about what Huli was. I, okay. I woke up on a Saturday in May in 2020, like woke up and I put pen to paper. I started drawing and iterating. I spent all day on the chair drawing some early concepts. Uh, back then, the idea was for a, a golf bag. And okay. uh, we we hope to to launch this golf bag someday uh, once we get a foothold in apparel. But um, at the end of that day, into that Saturday evening, I was like, okay, is there maybe a company here? I don't know. Is this just a product? Is there a name? I was flown around uh, names, and yeah, I and and Huli was part of that name. Um, and then when we started the UCLA program, 
at one point we actually called ourselves hooligan golf okay so, gotcha gotcha you know you're, you're you're experimenting a little bit but the the origin of hooli one of the jobs that i was in the teams was i was a breacher and you know you you've probably been around enough team guys to know what a breacher does but a breacher helps gain entry into enemy compounds so uh you know blown through walls doors windows um through mechanical um manual or explosive means so we got different tools there but one of the tools that we use is a hooli tool oh, that's right that's right that's like a fire department thing right yeah they uh i, I have to be careful for the uh for, <laughs> for the firemen out there that are uh that okay. pay attention to okay got hooli. you um they they use a halligan bar that's right that's um, where that's right that's right it, they look the same like to the layman they look the same the construction is a little bit different um but yeah, so that that was one of the tools that we used. Okay. I liked how it sounded. I liked how it looked. I liked that it had some connection to my background, which was yes. important to me. And then I, I'm doing some name exploration. And I'm not sure if you know this or not, yeah, being being an American golfer, but uh, hooli is a Scottish golf term. As in, it's blowing a hooli. It, if it's blowing a strong wind. Oh, okay. I did not know that. No, no, I didn't know that. So when I connected the dots there, yeah. I was like, man, you know, if ever there was a sign telling me to move forward, yeah. that, that was it. And I just saw your logo on your shirt. I'm like, that's a hoolie on your shirt too, right? With the golf club. So it, it, it doesn't make sense. Um, no, 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 I got it. It's clicking in now. And I feel like a lot of that stuff, when you, you honor your 20 plus years of service. And so you feel like I'm carrying this with me into my new passion, such a good connection, such uh, I, I love stuff like that. I feel like that makes it work. I love the imagery, the symbolism, you know, so hooligan tools used to open up doors. It's used to break things. Mm -hmm. um, it's used to disrupt a little bit. So yeah, I think there's some good symbolism there. Um, it, it, in that time frame, when I was playing really shitty golf, if if we can tell golf stories, because uh, again, 100%, it, that's all we're doing if, here. Yes. If I don't tell you, no one else is going to let me. Let's hear it. it. Let's hear it. Um, I had a magical round at Pebble Beach. Oh, love that. My, my first time playing there. So this was in... Uh, right as we were getting ready to class up in the program um i met my brother actually uh, backing up a good buddy of mine who we've had we've had golf battles for the last several years uh we were you know head to head for a little bit but now he's he's getting pretty close to scratch oh dear um, oh dear i know it's awful <laughs> for me we uh we we drove up to monterey and we played spyglass the day before oh, love spyglass and in mind you i hadn't been playing well at all so like there's there's a little bit of trepidation in that you know we're spending a lot of money we're driving a long distance i want to have a good experience up here um we get up to the tee at spyglass and that is the most terrifying first tee i think in golf um yeah we we get paired up with some guys that are very good golfers they're playing from the tip so they were probably collegiate or uh you know the scratch golfers for sure and okay. they just blast blasted by us um i hit one of the best drives like through that narrow chute <laughs> right yeah yep. and i'm like man 
this round is going to be awesome. I love that feeling. And then I got beat down oh, for the no. next, oh, you know, no. uh, it, 80, 90 shots. Uh, it, it was one of those beatdowns that we all have it when we golf that it's like, I don't want to golf ever again. Yeah. Yeah. You, you wanted um, to walk off after the 13th hole. I, we've all had that. Yes. It was, you know, when people say, oh, well, you know, you, you have to enjoy the experience and, and it's a beautiful day and you're out with people. It's like, no, you are no getting, way. you are getting pummeled. This is the worst day of my entire life right now. I'm happy. <laughs> Oh my gosh. And so we we finished the round. I'm stewing. I'm pissy. Uh we ended up meeting a buddy of mine up in Monterey that uh we had done a platoon together with, a great buddy. Went out to dinner, um, had a drink, relaxed, and then I went home and I laid in my bed because we're playing Pebble Beach early in the morning. And I'm just like, please, not tomorrow. Are you having anxiety already? Yeah, it, it was more, it wasn't anxiety. It was me coming to terms with, I am not going to have a bad round tomorrow. And even if I play like shit, I'm going to have a great day tomorrow. I've dreamed of playing Pebble Beach. Love that. It's like, you know, one of the favorite courses I've, I, I watch on TV, the history behind it. Um, leading up to it, I was, I was watching, uh, you know, the old Jack Nicholas, uh, uh, wonderful world of golf. Of course. I grew up with that. Yes. That he did, um, on Pebble beach, uh, Tiger Woods was at the 2000 U S open yep. on there when, when he's down to his last ball, mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. you know, so like, uh, I'm enamored with the course. Uh, I was practicing at the, uh, at the range for months prior at like the, uh, I don't know what they call the systems, but, um, they had Pebble Beach that you could play at the range, essentially. So I, yeah, I was, yeah, yeah. I, I had visualized these shots, um, <laughs> and and my brother was coming down. Uh, my brother and I are from Fresno, so he drove down to meet us for the Pebble round. And anyways, we showed up, and it was glorious, man. Um, my swing, my swing wasn't fixed, but I swung my swing, and it was repeatable for that day. I was playing. A predictable cut slice, mm -hmm. if you will. Oh, of course. Yep. Yep. And I was like, all right, I'm just going to aim left. And uh, we also had a four caddy, which took all of the thinking out of everything. Yeah. So he was, he was pointing out, this is your aim point. And I was hitting my lines. And we ended up, um, I had a chance to shoot in the 70s, rolling into, the 17 the 17 and i ended up bogeying 17 and then here we are the wind has kicked up 18th hole oh 18 is a dog too <laughs> it's a tough tee shot yeah and and you're looking and all you see from the tee box is the pacific ocean the cliffs <laughs> the wall you know the wind is blowing um my brother gets up and he snap hooks it left into no, the ocean. No, no, stop. Don't say it. Don't say it. Yeah. Yep. My my next buddy, who's a better golfer than me, um, I don't want to say he snap hooked it, but he he hooked it into the ocean. Oh. Did you get a wedge out just to get in the fairway? <laughs> no, no. I I I I got up there with my driver and I was like, hit the damn thing. Right. Like, let's, let's let's do this. And I squeezed it right in in between that tree and the mm -hmm. bunker. Oh, I got it. 
and and I got it right past the tree and beautiful shot. And I was just like pumped, you know, like just chills thinking about it now. Best feeling in the world. When, when you do it, when it matters, yeah. there's just nothing better than golf and then stepping up whenever the pressure's up and, and you do it. And so I'm sitting there and I'm within three wood distance, but there's, you know, the, the little reasonable person on my shoulder is like, don't be an idiot, man. You Just have a putt for birdie. Come on, lay it up. <laughs> yeah. So I, I do the responsible thing. Yeah. I grab my six iron and then I proceed to hook the shit out of it. No, no, no. I, 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 I swear to God, I, I see this thing and I've never hit a six iron so bad in my entire life. Oh, no. And it it, it is hooking and it's hooking. And I see it. It's it's going towards the Pacific, and <laughs> I could not believe it. But that uh that seawall mm -hmm. that, that runs along uh, along the bunker there, yeah, ricochets off the seawall and bounces into the center of the fairway. <laughs> the golf gods they can be good to you. Yes, they can. The golf gods. So I, I ended up putting that into uh into the bunker, and then uh I got up and down for bogey, which you know. But all things considered, I walked away uh, playing really shitty golf. Um, I think I shot 10 over, so it was an 82 there. That's not um, shitty at Pebble, by the way. Pebble is no joke with wind and yeah. water. And, you know, that's, that is not a shitty round at Pebble. So, yeah, that, that was, uh, you know, that, that was one of those kind of golf blessings. That Those are the that. rounds that, that and they always seem to come when I need them the most. Yeah, yeah. And that... It was such a like profound experience that I ended up writing about it um, later. Nothing that I published or anything, but uh, yeah, fantastic. So then, uh, you know, that was right before we started the program. Um, went through the program, got Huli up and running. And then by the end of that, it was very clear that we had something that I thought that we could take to market. And um, well, when you say up and running, so you and your your co-founder, you get through UCLA and you're like, let's actually do this and not just as an entrepreneurial exercise. Let's actually do this. And so what's your business plan when you guys start? Like what 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 products are you going to do? What are you going to focus on? What's the theme? Like what I, I want to dig into kind of what you're thinking about. So our plan had evolved by the end of that. We had moved uh, away from golf bags and into apparel apparel was something that uh kevin and his network he just had more expertise on and the golf bag required more development the the market in terms of the, the people that buy golf apparel is much larger yes 100 percent. you know like magnitudes larger bigger than the golf the golf bag market and you yeah. think about how many people buy golf bags and how often people are buying new golf bags rare um, five so years like, maybe like, very passionate about the golf bag idea. Um, but we, we figured that we had to get this company up and running and really our goal was to create a brand, you know, uh, around this idea of, of Huli and to go after this demo of, uh, what we see are like these underserved golfers that, uh, don't look as, don't look at themselves as traditional golfers. You know, they're, they're guys who, um, grew up doing gritty things, you know, uh, contact sports, um, you know, they do jujitsu, they, they lift, they run, they swim, 
they surf, they fish, they hunt, you know, they, they do these things. They're very passionate about these things. And they're also passionate golfers. So there's a, a lot of the guests that you've had on your podcast have this similar mindset that 100%. They're, they're, just, they're these type A go-getters who like a great challenge and playing golf is battle, you know, like we're, <laughs> right. it's, you're doing battle with your buddies. Yeah. And so that's, that's the idea. That's the idea behind Huli. Uh, that's, that's who we're kind of, you know, going after. That's who we're trying to bring, trying to coalesce this community yeah. of these, uh, these like-minded golfers. And um, ultimately we started with, you know, customer number one, which was me. <laughs> right. I, I wanted to make stuff that I liked and that yeah. I would wear and that my buddies would like to wear. So we focus on that. Our, our flagship product are our printed polos. Okay. And um and we're trying to build around that, you know, and with some success and and a little bit of luck, we'll build outward from that. But um yeah, so like our our polos are the designs are kind of spired within this sphere of the different influences. And, and we're looking into um, you know, like our spring line, we have some we're we're breaking into new territory and we're trying to tell little stories with the stuff that we wear. Yeah. I think ultimately we did a lot of research and we learned that there's this trend towards people wanting to wear stuff that they can have an affiliation with. Yes. That's not just an empty brand or corporation that's cranking stuff out, but something that there's a community behind, there's an affiliation people can identify with. Um, well, and this is, I think this is the future. I mean, John Adams and I, my co-host have talked about where's golf going Everyone has jumped ship to live tour. Why live? It's shorts. It's fun. It's music. It's, you know, they're having a blast. And then we had Jimmy Rollins on two episodes ago, uh, World Series champ, and he's affiliated with Eastside Golf, which is urban yeah. and bringing yeah. in different people to golf. Yeah. And then I'm texting with Jared DeAnda today, who's a big, he does a bunch of, you know, announcing for car shows and rally cars, and he's a golf nut. And he and his crew are exactly what you're talking about. Like, I'm going to connect you guys because he he really loves this kind of stuff. This is the new golf. It's no longer Polo Ralph Lauren and your starch shorts and going out. I mean, it's like, you know, people listen to music when they play. I mean, we've just had, you know, a couple of NFL, and MLB guys join our club and and one retired basketball yeah. player. And it's like, they they do not conform to this. This is actually what people are want because the young golfers want to look cool, wear cool stuff. I mean, this is this is where golf's going. So I know the PGA Tour hates it, but too bad. You better get with it because you're, you're almost dead in terms of the sponsors are dropping the PGA Tour. And, yeah, and yeah. it's crazy. Yeah, so I I love that. And uh um so what other products are you guys thinking about? You have the polos, I see a t-shirt. Where else are you guys headed with Huli? Yeah, right now we're waist up. Um yeah, I guess I can confidently uh, announce this now, but we're you know progressing the line. So we have we have some hoodies that we're going to drop this afternoon. Oh, that's the um, hottest thing right now. I love it. It's yeah, we have we have a lightweight, we have a heavyweight. The heavyweight's about a week behind. Uh, a lot of challenges starting up a company of course we've learned a lot we're going to do better next year so uh you know we're about a month behind on some of these drops but we got hoodies we got beanies and then uh next year you know this all depends on how fast people find us oh. and, and how fast we grow uh because we can't do too much too fast 
we need to get a foothold and be really good at something and be hyper-focused. You know, the print, print polo is our flagship product. Um, but yeah, looking to expand our, our headwear offerings. Um, would love to get into outerwear mm -hmm. this next year, shorts, pants. Um, yeah, we got some, uh, some ball markers that we're going to get in stock here. Um, imminently divot tools, you know, maybe gloves. I, you know, it's just like the universe expands from there and then, with any luck and uh you know i mean people have to be coming to the brand that we can expand outward i i think i think the idea of of huli this kind of mindset and the spirit of the brand extends beyond golf i think i think it's something that could you know we could move into other sports as well um other things so 100 you know, and and there's a way you do that you get into golf shops you get into pro shops i mean are you are you is that kind of you're thinking that model or you just want to be kind of direct to consumer websites like I, I don't know the marketing world of 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 that as well as you do obviously yeah that that part we're trying to figure out i mean yeah. the the strategy we're primarily direct to consumer which means you go to our website and um yeah and, and we're interacting primarily through social media and word of mouth and um, you know, the, the exposure from Jocko's podcast this last week has been really great. We've had a lot of new people find us and that's really neat and connect with us on social media. Um, that's the best way for us to grow the brand quickly, but no doubt, like we're, we're looking at strategic retail, um, and we want to get in golf clubs as well. So, uh, we haven't done that yet. And it, it, it's kind of tricky in terms of that relationship and, mm -hmm. Yeah. You know, in terms of how you manage inventory and production. So we're trying to figure that out. But look, uh, I'll just make this call out to any of the golf clubs uh, listening or anyone within that reach is if you think our brand and the spirit of what we're trying to bring aligns with your club, hit us up. Let's do business. Let's bring Huli into the golf club. I, I would love to get Huli out to as you know, many people that are interested in wearing our stuff. Well, I think too. I mean, I I got hooked up with with Ian and the Ert, Ert brand, you know, early on when he had just started out. They were doing some hats. They did it. They did the inaugural, uh, you know, Chuck Heavy shirt that like yep. they were printing it when I was down in Coronado with one of my buddies down there. And seeing how they kind of ground roots it, I was talking with Ian before he had his warehouse. He was out of his garage, and then he went to a warehouse, and then did pop ups. And now they have the store down there in Coronado, and it's like you can see how it's done. It's just got to be very grassroots, and 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 I'd love to kind of include you guys in some of our different golf events because I think going to charity events, going to any sort of you know yeah Navy SEAL type events, you know, I mean, I'm sure the Navy SEAL Foundation would love to have you know a SEAL owned clothing group just with a little tent out there because I'm seeing a lot of the cool grassroots stuff goes that direction, and you know, whenever I'm at one of those events, I'm like, hey, what's this? Oh, it's you know, it's SEAL owned. This oh, I'm I'm in immediately and uh but yeah all the divot tools and stuff i'm finding is people are going crazy for that they want to have yeah. a ball marker they want a divot tool they want this and that so the fact that you guys are thinking about that is really cool and i'm, I'm looking at 30 challenge coins that i've been blessed to have given over the years that whole thing i mean that's a natural yeah. thing for you you know to have like a challenge coin slash you know yeah. I, I remember um uh, steve looney gave oh, me a team three you know charlie a platoon coin that i'm used to mark my ball with to this day and so 
it's like that kind of stuff is such a natural thing. And, it, and, and you know, civilians like me kind of learn about the history of the challenge coin and stuff. So, yeah, I think it's so exciting. I mean, I love golf and I love new brands and I'm sick of the old brands. I have to say, like I go to different, you know, pro shops or Roger Dunn is the big one in Southern California. And it's just like so much of it is just cookie cutter but then you have the ones that are starting you know malbon east side golf you know you're like okay this is where it's going i mean even at our club like all the guys are wearing hoodies you know logoed hoodies which i would have 10 years ago i said they'll never allow a hoodie at our club now it's like everyone's wearing them and they're totally fine so you're in the trend you're in the right direction and so I love it, man. I'm excited to uh, hear about what you're going. We'll promote you for sure uh, on here. And then, well, wait, hold on. Before, tell me about your next, your latest tied low round. You shot another two over, right, uh, recently? I did. Uh, you know, it's, uh, man, I've been playing a lot better lately. Now, it's it's it, it's all relative. Uh, of course. I, I almost crept up to uh, double-digit handicap um, okay. this, this last year. And... I don't know. I so anyone who follows me on social media, which I just started, I mean, I mean, I don't know, back in March or something. Oh wow, okay. Um, I went from zero to full bore. I right. filmed myself on right. the golf course. Right. And there's something about pulling this camera out. Some magical things have been happening. I love it. Love it. So I don't know if it's the the power of the camera, but uh since I've been filming, I filmed these uh stupid little videos, but I had a hole out from 72 yards for you. That. I've had a handful of smaller hole outs. I've had some great shots and holes. Um, but yeah, this past July, this is another good story. You know, it's there's so much about golf that can be compared to life. And I feel like golf is training for life in so many different ways in terms of managing expectations, mindset, belief you know, the character to uh, get knocked down, get back up. Like these things you're doing every single shot, every round to a certain degree. Um, but back in July, I went up to the tee box. Um, it's like 5.45 in the morning or something. And I, I ended up filming this whole round. So this round is on YouTube. If you head to uh, uh, Over the Top Hooli at YouTube, um, I, I filmed this entire round, but I snap hooked my drive into a tree off the box okay and it hit, it hit the trunk of the tree and dropped down uh i mean super short drive but the you've you've both seen air first hole's a, a par five yep yep so I, I grabbed my three hybrid just a reasonable shot and then i ended up uh closing out for a bogey so i started bogey bogey and then i just played really good the wow. rest of the round Wow. You know, but like to start to start your first drive, snap hook into the tree, you mentally could have just turned off. <laughs> right, right, right. Yeah, like it's going to be one of those days. But that's the thing about golf is you never, never really know if you can hang on and just go shot to shot, not get ahead of yourself. Um, I ended up playing really well. You know, I, nothing major. I didn't get any doubles. Uh, had had a couple of bogeys, and then I got down to. Uh, the 18th hole mm -hmm. and I was three over. So oh, again, wow. Okay. Best, my best round is two over. Yep. And I, the pressure was on, I hit, I hit a wonky drive and you know, what your day, like I hit it <laughs> off the toe and 
and, and, and when I made contact, I'm like, oh shit, I'm in the trees left. And the ball did something weird. It like it drew and then it it kind of cut a little bit. It one of those balls that you hit just so weird and it it flies. Yep. Devil breakers, yep. Yep. Yeah, it just very weird. And it landed in the fairway. And I was like, it's just my day, man. And I, I ended up sticking a wedge really tight. And then I sunk a three-footer uh downhill with just a little bit of break. I had to play it outside the hole. Oh. And, and I made hands up in the air. Yeah, yeah. That's it. You know, it's uh what bummed me out was that last two over that I shot was so early in my yeah. my golf career that I wondered if I was ever gonna go that low again and, and my handicap had come down. Yeah. But you know, I hadn't played uh, I hadn't shot many rounds in the 70s uh, until the last eight, nine months. I've been having more rounds in the seventies. Um, but I, I gotta be honest, my, my game doesn't travel very well. You know, I'm, <laughs> I'm not against shooting in the high eighties or nineties. Um, but, but I, the good rounds are in, in me. Um, yeah. Wasn't yeah, mindset funny. I feel like mindset is, is the missing component because you have all these people on YouTube that are teaching this swing and that swing and pull here and push here. And it's like, honestly, if you have the basics down and you have your mindset, because people ask me, you know, how do you keep winning these club championships? Like the last one I won this year was against two of the guys who were in their twenties that I beat. And they're like, yeah. how do you do it? And I said, I mean, I have a decent swing, but it's the mindset. Like, honestly, like, you know, I'm a big Rotella fan and, you know, he, his, his quote, and I've, I've given this a lot of the people that I teach is, you know, give every shot the same low level of importance. And I told that yeah, to Scotty exactly. and Scotty was like, wait, what are you talking about? I said, give the same, every shot, the same low level of importance. He goes, I don't understand. I said, I know nobody thinks about this every shot is life or death like oh, i'm gonna lose this hole i'm down five bucks i'm up and i'm like that's not the point you just need to just stay level and cruise and you know some of his other quotes are you know it's like you know hit the ball no judgment and then go find it something of that yeah and yep, it's so yep. funny guys don't have and you guys have the most incredible mindsets of any humans on earth i would dare to say but it's like learning the mindset part along with your your swing part critical because you know it's like i've had when i was playing competitively i've had rounds where i was four over on the front and five under on the back and i could have easily mailed it in oh everyone's going to make fun of me and you know i'm a big loser and it's it's life like you said i mean it really is it, i feel like it does it's a big metaphor for life I, I probably should have asked this much earlier going in but uh can can you bleep out cuss words uh or, no we're explicit we're explicit well, so say, okay. say whatever yeah. the hell you want to yeah so my my mantra um going up and, and when i'm playing my best is i say i say to myself and sometimes i'll even say it out loud when there's no one around i'll say fuck it it doesn't matter I love it. I love it. Yep. You know, yep. I, I I mean, that's that's what I want to be. I, I want to swing free. My best shots are when I'm swinging free mm -hmm. and I'm not trying to control the club face and I'm yep. not worried about the outcome. I'm just committed to staying in that shot. 
and and I do that for putts as well. Yeah. Uh, well, you should put that on a ball marker, obviously with the ellipses or whatever to take the fuck yeah. out. But like again, stuff like that sticks with you. I mean, I have when I'm doing my notes before you know the club championship or some of the little tournaments that I play, I'll have you know stuff like that, like breathe breathe and believe you know whatever the mantra you know or yeah. re receive and believe or you know whatever it is to kind of get you in that mindset of just never giving up and and the guy I beat this year was his first final and it was my eighth final and i just was like you know it's up and down it's 36 holes at our club for the final so you play five rounds of match play to get to the final we're not stroke play which is 10 times harder because if one guy gets hot one day you're screwed and yep. just at the end it was just like i'm i'm up 3m down two i'm up one you know i'm just and i'm kind of just going along and he told me he was almost paralyzed the last two holes with fear and i was like yeah i'm just gonna keep playing because i think at the end of the day i'm gonna i want to persevere i always do and if i don't okay and I, boy the mindset part especially for you know people learning golf or young golfers that want to get good it really it becomes 90 percent once you get your swing down it's between the ears because there's a young kid that goes to high school with my two boys and you know his parents were like yeah he's you know 200 in the first round leading and then four over in the second round and just you know furious at himself i said well that's the that's the the learning curve because you just have to each level you go up the stairs same with team guys you have to you're a, you're a new guy and then you become good at something and you have something else you have to do and then you become a warrant officer and you have to relearn like it's like a metaphor for life like you said so fascinating yeah i i love the creativity of the game and so often uh and if you've been following me on social media lately you'll, you'll see i've been wild off the tee um <laughs> I've seen a few I, wild shots. Yes. I love getting up and down from those. Like those, yeah. those are great. So sometimes those are better than the cookie cutter, yeah. you know, fair greens of regulation. Um, you know, and it's, it's staying in shot to shot and, and it works both ways. You know, when you're playing shitty, you have to have that mindset that you're going to come back the next hole, the next shot. It's, it's right around the corner. Um, and, and you have to have a short memory, uh, bad memory, but you know, also, and I, you can probably attest to this much more than me because you've been more successful uh, with, with golf, but you also, when you're having those great rounds, you can't get ahead of yourself. Yes. Yep. It's, it's the same thing. So being able to control your mindset, your expectations to stay in that, that mindset, that, uh, that flow state. Yeah. You know, that's, it's, it's one of the great things that I really love about the game because there is, a mental component that it's not going to fix a broken swing, but it will get you out of trouble and it will get you up and down if you'll let it. Oh yeah. And we're going to have Jason Gore on the podcast. He he's got a, kind of an honorary membership at our club. He was the winningest golfer in it was the Nike tour. Now it's the corn Ferry tour history yeah. played on the PGA tour. And I remember he was telling a group of us long time ago, how, because, you know, when for for guys, you know, the plus handicaps like me, you you get two under, you get three under. And sometimes you're like, OK, I'm just going to preserve this. And I would we were asking him like he just had shot like a 59 the other day. And he said, well, when I get three birdies, I want five. When I get five, I want seven. When I get seven, I want ten. 
And I was like, oh, I'm, I'm anxious even hearing him talk about this, but that really is the mindset. Like if when you get four pars, you want, you should get four more and you should get a birdie mixed in there too. And it really, it's that, it's that don't let the fear flow out of you and yeah. just go, go get them. And so, and sometimes I feel myself, you know, not quite letting it fly. Cause I'm like, Hey, you know, I'm tied for my record right now. That's part of the last two, which really it should be, let's break the course record and birdie the last two. So the mindset thing, I could go on for days. We're going to have some uh, golf psychologists on to really get in to that because i love that part. love it yeah yep. it's so good now let's talk technical stuff with you what is in your bag right now what are you playing i play uh my irons are yeah i think they're the maverick pros okay got you yeah a couple years back they're a uh a player's uh maybe a player's distance iron i think okay um technically um i game a i got a list uh and i don't remember what their last version of uh driver is got that in the bag for for a couple of years they're good they've, they've jumped back into the market they were out of the driver market for a while because taylor made and callaway were so good yep. and now yep. they're they're hot again they're really good drivers yep um i went i got fitted uh about a year ago i got a like a nemesis 65 shaft mm -hmm. on it um mm -hmm. Yeah, that's putter. That, what are you putting right with? Now. I have a old Scotty Cameron, yep, um, me too. 1.5 Newport best putter. Yep, yep. I can I yeah. love those too. What about wedges? What wedges are you playing? Same, uh, I'm playing some Vokies. Yep, I remember, I think last year's uh, SM, yeah, you know, whatever. A month, a month ago, I'm going to do a podcast on this. I went to, I got invited to go to Titleist and did a wedge fitting. Are you kidding me? And I've it was unbelievable. You've done that before? Mm -hmm. Isn't it the best ever? I, I'd never done it. I'd seen my clients do it and it blew, it took three hours and I walked with four wedges. It blew my mind. Yeah. Isn't it incredible? Did you go to the TPI? I did went to TPI and I was with uh, Chris Bango, who's Vokey's number two guy. And he's also a yeah. great golfer. He was a pro for a while and we just went nuts. And I walked away with four customized wedges and just the perfect bounce. And it's just, it's, it's really, I can't believe I've actually gotten better with my wedges after doing that. And, and plus it's the mindset. They really talk about how to use the bounce. I never really, yeah. I was yeah. a, I was a Pels Mickelson guy, hands forward, which you can use, but that's not the true way to use a wedge. And so, Oh, it, it changed my life. So I'm gonna do a whole podcast on this, but you did that too. I did. Yeah. I did that back in 2019, I think. Awesome. Um, yeah. So I, I love messing around with gear. Um, you know, it's it's hard to not want to buy new stuff every year. Oh, it's an addiction. I know. Trust me. It is. The stuff is just so good nowadays. Yeah. Well, we just had Trotty on the uh, podcast yesterday, Chris Trot. So Chris yep. is the most famous golf fitter in the Taylor world. Man. Yeah. And, uh, you know, done all the celebs, every tailor-made guy who was on the Euro van, he was on the PGA tour van, and now he works at their headquarters. And so he is just a fitting guru. And someday I want to get into the weeds with the fitting stuff with him. We, we kind of just went over his history yesterday, but I really want to get in the weeds because I'm just, I don't know, spin rate, launch angle. The, yeah. I know the sum of that, but 
I'm kind of just a meathead. Just like, tell me this is good. Does that look good? Okay, I'm taking it. I don't. I can't just keep dialing it in. I don't have enough hours in the day. But the fitting part is a whole fascinating world. And and that wedge fitting was good. I'm doing a putter fitting in January, which is going to be incredible. And uh, uh, I haven't done one in years. But yeah, it, it's never ending. I want to get refitted every six months. I'm sure everybody feels the same way. But it's crazy. Well, for you, you know, you're difference in uh you know the shafts and the clubs that you have like are a couple of hundred rpms or yes. like it's you know very tight for for someone like me um the difference in equipment can be absolutely huge yes yeah you know yeah. So, absolutely yeah and i when i was working with scotty khan he had pxgs they gave they gave all the celebs pxgs and they were almost an inch too long for him i'm like dude yeah you're hitting these heavy a little bit did anyone fit you he goes no they just mailed them to me i'm like uh, it when you're improving having the clubs at least fit you well the shafts and the irons you can make it work but at least they fit you the right way they're not too long they're loft and yep. light off boy that that's yep. critical yep. but i do love that part of golf i'm always kind of like i'm happy for six months or a year i'm like wait the new taylor majors came out it could give me 10 more yards maybe so you know and so yeah it's amazing but uh, uh i love all that um any hole in ones yet have you had your first hole in one no no but 2024 of the year it's coming maybe at lakeside when you come up in january we're gonna uh, play some golf and maybe you get your first one there we've got some wild par threes we have a um, like a 185 one super tough and then we have a 165 one that is gettable and then number nine is 240 par three impossible Ooh. impossible i can't believe they designed this hole like this and then um on the back we've got uh number 15 it has two greens so we were we were opened in 1924 it's our 100 year anniversary next year and they wow. set it up with two greens so short greens 80 yards it's so hard. You can dunk it, but it is a really tough shot. And the other way is 165. Great hole. So we got some part threes for you. So we'll see if we can get the first hoop. That would be awesome if uh, we got that, it lakeside. That gives me about a month to stop hitting off the toe. This has been <laughs> wrecking my irons as of late. It's awful hitting off the toe. Well, look, we are no judgment golfers. So I, yeah. my, my crew is like a scratch and a 10 and a 15. And like, we just love having fun. So we'd love to have you and maybe even your business partner and some friends up to play. And, uh, uh I really want to work on promoting you guys. I'll put links to, um, to Huli golf in the, the bio and everything and anything I can do. And if you ever have any updates and you're like, Hey, here's something that let's jump back on. We'll do another podcast yeah. and talk about new product line or here's where we're headed or we're having this event or whatever and uh man i, I really appreciate you coming on bobby it's so, such an honor to meet you and i'm excited to have a a seal golfer it's my two worlds have combined perfectly so i'm really excited to to see your company grow and appreciate you coming on yeah likewise brand you know thank you for reaching out and having me on again uh you know pleasure to be here and, and talk golf man this this was great i love it this is the first of many all right thanks bobby i'll talk to you all right. Sounds good.